Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello and welcome to the EM360 podcast, where we have a weekly conversation with people who are impacting the enterprise tech landscape. My name is Matt Harris, Head of Content here at EM360 and your host on today's episode. And today I'm joined by Rob Allen. Rob is the VP of Operations EMEA at ThreatLocker. And we're here today to talk about deny by default and being proactive with your cybersecurity. Rob, how are you doing today? I'm very well. I'm very well, thank you. Um, it is a beautiful day. There is this big yellow thing that I'm, I'm very much unaccustomed to in the sky here in Ireland. I think it's called <laughs> the sun. So, And the sky is very strange shade of blue which again is not something we see very often so yeah all good all good yeah nice no, so when you got the uh, you got the fact 50 on hand <laughs> yeah, yeah i would if I, I i ever made it outside <laughs> all right nice one nice one um well obviously yeah welcome to the show thank you for coming on thank you um do you want to just give the listeners a little bit of background around uh, who you are and what you do Sure. Uh, so I'm the VP of Operations for EMEA for ThreatLocker. Um, I, my background is I spent 18 years working for an MSP, uh, an IT company here in Dublin. Uh, I obviously in that time spent quite a lot of time cleaning up after ransomware attacks. Uh, I moved to ThreatLocker about two and a half years ago. And since then, I've been very much preventing ransomware attacks. So I like to think I have a little bit of experience on both sides of that particular fence. Yeah, nice one. And obviously, we, we want to talk around uh, that that prevention and proactivity today. Um, so, so my kind of first question for you, Rob, then is, uh, you know, what, what's really your take on uh, zero trust right now? And what are the benefits of a deny by default philosophy? Um, well, I suppose the first and most important thing about zero trust is defining what it is. Um, I mean, a lot of things like to call themselves zero trust it is somewhat of a buzzword at the moment. Um, the definition that I like the most is um, in the aftermath of the colonial pipeline attack in the US that pretty much shut down oil production for most of the East Coast. The U.S. government released a executive order um, effectively mandating zero trust for anything to do with the federal government in the U.S. But as part of that executive order, as part of that mandate, they defined what zero trust is. And there's some part of the, the definitions that I think really sum it up. I mean, they basically say a zero trust security model eliminates implicit trust in any one element, node or service. So in, eliminate implicit trust is a very big part of it. They also say a zero trust architecture allows users full access, but only to the bare minimum they need to perform their jobs. So again, give people the access they need, but no more. And my favorite part of the definition, and I know this might lead into our next question somewhat, so it is quite a good segue, is they say that a zero trust security model assumes that a breach is inevitable or has already likely occurred. So constantly limit access to only what is needed. And I love that part of the definition. So basically work on the principle that the bad guy's already in. They're already on your network. They've accessed your server. They've full domain, full admin access. What can they do? So if you start from that position, if you keep that in mind, then basically everything ThreatLocker does as an organization makes absolute sense. Yeah, I love that. So obviously, when, when we kind of move on to that proactive approach, you know, is there really something to assuming that, you know, you've already been hit, the attackers have already got in? Um, what are the benefits of kind of having that mindset as a company? Well, you see, my feeling on it is like the, the, the big danger these days is not really ransomware running. Um, in fact, a lot of the ransomware 
perpetrators, they actually instruct their affiliates to not run ransomware. You don't need to run ransomware. The value is in the data. Okay, so why would you go to the trouble of running ransomware in an organization? I mean, any, as far as I'm concerned, the actual running, the actual encryption of data now is basically just an attention-grabbing exercise. It's a way of saying, hey, guys, we've been in. The value is in the data. What they get paid because is because they are basically holding your data hostage. Um, so given that that's the case, waiting for something to run, reacting to something running, is not going to work. I mean, effectively, if you're waiting for ransomware to run, you've probably already lost. You know, your data's probably already been exfiltrated. It's probably for sale in the dark web. And as I said, the actual running of ransomware is probably just a way of getting your attention. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. So what, what in your view, should companies be worried about most right now uh, when, it, when it comes to their security? Well, I mean, the, the short answer and the first answer to that question is data exfiltration. So it's your data getting out there and into the wrong hands, because once, it out, once it's out, you can't put the cork back in that particular bottle. I mean, it's sorry, you can't put the genie back in the bottle. It's basically out there. So that's the first and most important thing. I mean, the other thing I would say that, again, we're seeing more and more of is the misuse of legitimate tools. So, I mean, fundamentally, to perform a ransomware attack, you all you need is maybe AnyDesk for remote access, PowerShell for data exfiltration, and, I mean, you can encrypt files using 7-Zip. You know, and there, there have been ransomware attacks. I made that example. I mentioned that uh, at an event recently, and somebody came up to me afterwards, and they said, yeah, yeah, that happened to us. So literally 7-Zip was the mechanism that was used to encrypt their data. So you don't need ransomware to run. You can use or misuse trusted tools. And that's a big problem with your traditional approach to cybersecurity because your traditional approach to cybersecurity is dependent on identifying bad things. I mean, to go back to uh, what I said at the beginning, in my mind, zero trust, what it means is to deny by default and permit by exception. Okay, And if you think about your traditional model, the way most tools work is that they permit by default and deny by exception. So they deny based on a decision of what is good and what is bad. But when it comes to you know good tools being misused, you can't depend on those decisions. You can't say that you know TeamViewer is bad because TeamViewer isn't bad. You can't say that AnyDesk is bad. I mean, it's not bad software. Can it be used to give somebody persistent access to your network? Absolutely. You know, PowerShell like used in the vast majority of ransomware attacks will use PowerShell at some stage in its execution. PowerShell is not a bad application. You know what I mean? It's not something that your typical EDO or AV is going to have any interest in or do anything about because fundamentally it's part of Windows. It's on every Windows machine. But do you want it to, for example, have access to all your files so that you need to access the entire internet? Probably not. Yeah, that, that, that's interesting. Do, do you kind of have any customer uh, or industry examples about the dangers of data exfiltration and also perhaps an example of, you know, where Zero Trust could have stopped that or mitigated that damage? Certainly. I mean, I'll give you a example from uh, my personal experience, and this is a relatively recent one. Um, we uh, use rubber duckies as part of our demonstrations. And for anybody who doesn't know, a rubber ducky is a USB device. Looks like perfectly normal USB storage. But when you connect it to a computer, it's detected by the operating system as a keyboard, not a storage device. But it's a keyboard that you can pre-program with commands. So one of the things we do as part of our demonstrations is we have what is effectively data exfiltration in a PowerShell command. We have that programmed into the rubber ducky. 
And we make a joke as part of our presentations, which is to say to people, look, if you think, well, this is a data exfiltration rubber ducky, it will steal your data. It's going to go through your documents folder and upload everything it finds to our Google blob storage. If you think your current cybersecurity solution will stop this from stealing your data, come talk to us. We'll plug it into your computer. If you win, you get to keep the rubber ducky. If we win, we get to keep your data. Now, most sensible people kind of laugh and say, yeah, there's no way you're going to plug that into my computer. But we have had multiple people, and by multiple, I mean, at this count, or at this stage, eight separate people using a variety of different tools, EDRs, detection tools, have volunteered and allowed us to plug that into their computer. And in every case, with no exceptions, we have got the data. Nothing has stopped it. Now, the more recent example was where we made that joke on stage in Dubai recently. And I, a couple of gentlemen approached us after the presentation and they said, look, we're not going to plug the rubber ducky into our machine, but what we would like, please, is a copy of the PowerShell command. So we'd like to test it in our own environment. So I said, fine, that's no problem. And I sent them an email with very clear instructions. I said, you are going to want to change this part of the PowerShell script, which was the upload location. I said, that's a publicly accessible blob. If you upload data there, it is going to be accessible to the entire world. Following day, so I, I thought no more of it. Following day, I flew back to Ireland. And it's an eight-hour flight from Dubai to Ireland. And I decided I wasn't going to get Wi-Fi on the flight because it had a long few days going to take it easy, watch a few movies, maybe have a bit of a sleep. About five hours into the flight, I got bored and I turned on or basically bought Wi-Fi. And I was greeted with a Teams message from one of my colleagues with a picture of a very worried colleague of mine on the phone. And the caption on the Teams message was um, Harvey on the phone to a uh, Middle Eastern uh, organization who did the rubber ducky challenge and got their data exfiltrated. <laughs> so I immediately go into the, the Google um, blob storage and what did I find? Only 338 files. So one of their security guys had run the script unedited without changing the upload location and had effectively self-exfiltrated 338 files from their, their organization. Now, that was bad enough, okay? That happened back in March, but I actually went into that blob storage, that, that data location, at the beginning of last month, okay, which was May, sorry, it was, oh, Jesus, what month are we? We're in June now, the beginning of May, and I found more files uploaded from the same organization by two different users. So basically, three different separate people within the security team of that organization, all self-exfiltrated data using PowerShell with that script. And it shows, I suppose, the danger in things like PowerShell, how easily they can be misused. I mean, data exfiltration sounds really exotic. It sounds really complicated, but it's not. It's just a PowerShell script. You can go on to ChatGPT. We had a, another example recently where my boss, Danny, asked me for a data exfiltration or a rubber ducky uh, payload for data exfiltration on a Mac. Now, I know a bit about Macs, a bit of Unix background, but I went on to ChatGPT and I said, can I have a command that will work on a Mac that will upload files from this location from my documents folder? ChatGPT gave it to me. I didn't need any skills or knowledge or anything else to do it. I literally just asked ChatGPT, ChatGPT and it gave me the command. I actually played around with the command a little bit. So the first one it gave me was like three or four lines long. And I said, look, that's fine, but can I have it in a single one line command? It duly obliged. So 
it, it, as I said, it just shows the danger of those built-in applications, those Windows components that can be weaponized and can be misused. I mean, that's one example. I mean, running remote code is another one. I mean, things like Cobalt Strike Beacons are, only, are often deployed using PowerShell. You know what I mean? Downloading payloads, it's often done via PowerShell. You know, it's really, really, really dangerous. But the fact is, it's built into every Windows computer. So if you're a bad guy, it makes sense to use it because you can depend on it being there. And in most cases, you can depend on it not being limited or not having any restrictions placed on it, which I suppose is what we're going to come on to, which is what we do. Yeah, that, 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 yeah, really well said there. And, and do you kind of have any, you know, of those horror stories where, um, you know, real life criminals have gotten and done serious damage to, to business and to, you know, individual people as well? Oh, absolutely. I mean, in, in my previous life, so when I used to work for the IT company, when I used to the work to work for the MSP, for many years, as I said, I was involved in the cleanup of ransomware attacks. And in every single time or every single instance, it was a restore from backup, get them back up and running. So basically, it was just a recovery exercise more than anything else, you know, whether it be from shadow copies or backups or online backups. I mean, basically, it was just restore from backup and off you go. The most recent one that I was involved in, which ironically was about a week before I started working for ThreatLocker, was for one of our biggest customers. And the difference in that attack, so this was about two and a half years ago, the difference in that attack and the thing that was unique in that one that I'd never seen before was the ransom note that was left behind. And the ransom note, the first line of the ransom note said, we have uploaded 1.3 terabytes of your data to this location. If you don't pay us by this day, at this time, we're going to release it. And that was, I'd never seen that before. Okay, but that is how the game has now changed. That was the first instance of it, but that is how they are going because they realize there's no value to them in just encrypting files because people will just restore from backups. As I said, the value is taking the data because that is what terrifies organizations. The fear of your data being out there in the wrong hands is just, it. that keeps a lot of people up at night um, and justifiably so because in a lot of cases, it's a business killer. I mean, the reputational damage, I mean, the, there's so many different examples of, you know, uh, there's uh, um, a hospital currently in the States, and I, this is absolutely horrific, but there's a hospital in the States that are get, getting sued at the moment because the Black Cat ransomware group was part of a ransomware attack. They exfiltrated, obviously, lots of data, released it online, including pictures, um, naked from the waist up pictures of breast cancer patients leaked as part of that ransomware attack. I mean, that, that is horrific. I mean, if you've ever wondered, was there any depths to which they will not go? The answer to that question is absolutely not. If they have that data, the more sensitive it is, the more damaging it is, the more likely they are to, to put it out there. Yeah, it's obviously like a really eye-opening, um, you know, worst case scenario then. Um, sort, of, sort of just to, to move on from that then, if you could make sure our listeners remember one thing from uh, today, what would it be? Um, the main thing I would say is, I suppose, stop chasing bad things. Stop chasing bad applications, bad software, malware, ransomware. If you are waiting for something bad like ransomware in, to run in your environment, it's probably too late. You've probably already lost and your data, data is probably out there in the wrong hands. So it's a proactive approach, okay? So blocking by default, you know, don't let anything run that doesn't need to run. If PowerShell doesn't need to access your data, don't let it access your data. If it doesn't need to access the internet, don't let it access your internet. Put sensible, reasonable controls in place to perhaps complement your traditional approaches to cybersecurity, your antiviruses and your EDRs. I mean, I suppose the, the beauty about what we do is we come at 
problem of cybersecurity from a completely different angle. I mean, they do what they do, which is detection. We do what we do, which is offer controls. And you could argue that they are very much complementary, both approaches. So the well-balanced security stack could be seen to be some detection and some controls. Um, I suppose the issue that we see in a lot of organizations is they have a lot of detection. They might have two or three different layers of detection. They might have AV, they might have EDR, they might have threat hunters or threat hunters. They might have um, seams, you know what I mean? But they're all basically looking for the same bad things and realistically probably falling over each other trying to find them. So again, because we come at it from a different angle, we block by default. We don't let anything run that isn't needed. Then the two approaches are very much complementary. Well said, Rob. Thank you so much for joining us today. I really do appreciate your time. Um, where can you're very welcome? No, no problem. Um, where where can people go to learn more about yourself and learn more about ThreatLocker? Uh, ThreatLocker.com. Very much. Um, we'd absolutely encourage people get in touch. There's a book a demo link on the website, and um, that will get you through to one of our solutions engineers. They're the best in the business. They would be more than happy to show you how it works, how it all fits together, the benefits to it, and basically get you looked after so threatlocker.com uh, book a demo please only takes 45 minutes and it will be well worth your while yeah that's threatlocker.com so thank you rob and thank you to everyone who listened as well we hope you took a lot away from today's podcast but for further information on what we talked about please head on over to threatlocker.com we'll be back next week with another episode in our podcast series but until then make sure you subscribe to this podcast on all major platforms Follow the conversation on our socials at EM360Tech on Twitter and LinkedIn. And for more great daily content, please head on over to EM360Tech.com.